feel like this uh, story that we've just had is one of those kind of good news and bad news stories. I tell you one good news, uh, bad news story that's very uh, much part of um, my past. When my wife told me when we were at a wedding, she said, the good news is the keys of the car are in my handbag. The bad news is I've locked my handbag in the car. <laughs> or another time when I was about to board the ferry to go to Ireland, uh, and uh, the good news was the ferry was just about to board. The bad news was that I'd managed to lock my keys in the boot of the car and had to watch the ferry sail off without me. I would call someone to rescue me. So this is a kind of a good news, bad news story. I don't know if my investors are, are around. Okay, so let's see how they've got on. How do you you got 10. Oh, well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> and that is some return. And how do you got on? Ah, fine. Right. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And how have you got on? I put mine in a handkerchief because you're a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you bad and wicked servant. <laughs> one minor return, no interest. So that's a visual of what actually uh, was being told by Jesus in this, this story, in the parable. The context of this is very similar to last week's, uh, in that we're still coming out of the Zacchaeus story. Zacchaeus, whose life was transformed uh, by giving up uh, all of his, well, not all of his riches and being paying back those he, he might have diddled. Uh, and now we're still on the route from Jericho to Jerusalem, it says in our scriptures. So it's the same kind of scene. And if you read all yeah, from this, the context is important. So the, the, the verses after this in Luke chapter 19 are straight into the Palm Sunday story. So in other words, that tells us that this is Passover. These people are on a pilgrimage. And the reason why there was a lot of people around, why there was a crowd milling around uh, on, uh, that Jesus could draw a crowd so easily is because they were on the pilgrimage on the way to Jerusalem. And here, uh, Jesus draws a crowd, uh, and having seen Zacchaeus so transformed by his encounter with Jesus, he addresses the people, uh, and this is the story that he tells them. He gets ten people, and we only have three in our story because we only need three to tell the story, uh, but he had ten people given ten minus. If you want to know how much a minor is, I think you know that in the Bible, somebody told me actually tells you it's about a quarter of a year's salary. Is there a note in your Bible there? I think there is. Uh, so, okay, so about a quarter of a year's salary. So let's say somebody earns forty thousand pounds would be nice, wouldn't it? But, so that's an easy divider by a quarter. So we're talking maybe about a sum of ten thousand in value. So it's not huge and it's not tiny. It's not. It's not meant to be compared with this more familiar story of the parable of the talents, which uh, were different amounts were given to different people, uh, and a similar result ended up in that one. But when I hear the story, I hear the good news and the bad news. The good news were the two faithful servants, and they were told, well done, good and faithful. And the bad news is that one came back and said, I've wrapped it in a cloth, because I knew you were a hard man. Did you hear us say that? <laughs> and I think secretly, when we hear the story, we might be dreading that at the end of the story, the preacher's going to convince us that we're all the bad news in the story. Uh, so, But I have good news for you, that is how I think Jesus was addressing this story. But let's take it one at a time, the good news and the bad news. And then I was thinking about the Clint Eastwood film, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It's an ugly bit at the end, which I'll throw in, because I think we can't dodge the last verse uh, in, in this parable. But the good news first. 
He called ten servants, he gave them ten. So clear it up, what, what do we think a miner is? Because people would uh, say that when he talked about the talents, because everybody was given in different measure, then it was literally gifts. The, the, the talent was a sum of money, but, but it, it was how we understand the word talent. So people were given different gifts. But the, in this parable, it's very obvious he gives everybody one. So whatever it is, it's all the same. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, it could be uh, many things. It, it could be opportunities. It, it, it could be gifts, like we've said. But it's more likely that it is the, um, the gospel, the gem, the priceless gift that we all have to share. So in this talk today, I'm referring to it as taking opportunities. So we're given, all given the gospel. We're all uh, have come to faith, assuming, uh, and I mentioned that week that perhaps there are some people who haven't come to faith, that we can, in each Sunday, uh, make that right. So don't let me dodge away from saying that. But for those of us who have come to faith, we have this appropriate advice. We have this minor, this gospel to share. Uh, so and that's, if I'm putting my head on the chopping block, I, I believe a minor is the opportunities that each of us have day by day to share the good news with others. Some commentaries would disagree with that, but that's that's my take on it. And uh, I believe also those opportunities uh, are not meant to have that master-servant relationship. Okay, that's what's in the story, but it's also about a relationship of knowing the master, of being personally following the, the master. And therefore, when we do share it, what comes across is that Christ will be glorified because it's someone who has changed us and transformed us. So that's the minor, and how, how that could read out even here, and how that might look like here in this place, is how, for example, you use the center, how you used your hospitality of your own, we were talking about a home that was used for hospitality just before it started. You know, how you use your relationship with people, and how you, you, you share your, your testimony with others. We've all got a different story. Or maybe it's somebody, I spoke to somebody on Friday who kept a Bible in uh, on their possession, and that Bible was forgiven to someone when the Lord urges them to do so. That's another way of how this might pan out uh, in, in, in reality as Christians. We are going to use this resource of the gospel to praise what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And these opportunities will look different for each of us, but it is the one good news that we are sharing. So that's the good news. Our opportunities are not judged by whether they're success or failure, but whether we do something or we do nothing. And the good news is we've got this opportunity to do something. So what about the bad news? What about the bad news person in the corner here? Join this. And in fact, as, as we've seen, the bad news is the focal point in the story. It's the one that you hone in on. Uh, and if you secretly feel, well, if, if somebody gave me uh, 10,000 pounds, I would rather hold it than risk losing it. I'm that type of person. I'm, I'm not a risk taker. Then let me say straight away that I believe God knows the personality he's given you and he will use that personality. Even if you're cautious, he will use your cautiousness and gentleness in the way you relate to others. So don't feel burdened by the fact that, that, that some some of us feel like we can go out gregariously and, and, and grab somebody and, and tell them the good news. That's, that's for some. 
And I've done that door knocking around the states myself. It doesn't freak me out. I'm, I'm okay with that. But for others, it just absolutely would bore them if they felt that that is what it means to be a Christian. So the Lord knows the personality he's given you. And the good news is that you are not bad news because you are not like a gregarious person. So rest easy. God will use your personality. When the Lord touched your heart, he saw the full potential that he could see in you. He saw who you could become in Christ. That's, that's the transformation that started on the day that you received him as your Savior. But, and that process is still going on. The Lord knows the full potential that you can become the more you offer yourself to him. So God looks and sees those opportunities. But the one thing that will be coming in all of those opportunities is uh, summed up in the Westminster Confession. That we will glorify God and that we will enjoy him forever. Through these opportunities, he will be glorified and we will enjoy, we will flourish through that opportunity and taking that opportunity. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 18 says that in all things, Jesus must have the preeminence. So he will be preeminent in the way that we share. And if we draw attention to ourselves, then we are not presenting the minor, we're not presenting the good news in the way that he calls us to. So the parable is not so much about what they did with the minor, it's more about the relationship that they had with the Lord bad news is one of them thought the king was a hard man. One of them, it says in Luke 19.21, said, I knew you were a hard man. This, these are words not from someone who had a personal relationship with the master. This is, uh, I used to visit people when I, when I was in the hospital, visiting people, and they used to say, send one up for me, Vicar, or they would say, uh, him up there must be very happy with me because I'm poorly, you know, they, they, the way they spoke of God talked about an over in the sky, a distant, him up there type of God, and that's the kind of language of this person in the story, the bad news part of the story. This person saw God as some kind of over, not someone that had a personal relationship. And so the bad news person in the story wraps his mind in a cloth and give it back. No risks taken, leave it as it is, and hopefully no harm done. That's the bad news in the story. If someone did nothing, then the opportunity was there to do something. And I do believe that this is a parable for here and now, a challenge, if you like, uh, for each of us. The bad news is one did not truly know the Lord as his merciful friend. And then the harsh judgment, this is known as a judgment parable, up here of the mark, known as judgment parables, this is one of them. The harsh judgment where they said, take, take his mind off him and give it to the guy with ten. And that sounds well, at least give him one. But it's not unlike the idea of, 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 of a boss discovering uh, the, uh, that somebody has lent on their shovel uh, for a whole day and been discovered at the end of it to have done nothing. The boss says, take the shovel away from him, give it to somebody else. That worker is not of any use to me. So it's that kind of idea. It's not meant to be, I've talked about this in Friday, it's not meant to be associated with those who have little, such as impoverished nations or people in, uh, in famine or something like that. It's not that kind of thing. It's about trusting people to do a work. Uh, and so he took his shovel and he gave it to somebody uh, because that person proved themselves to be of no work. So that's what's going on. It seems harsh, but the problem with the bad guy, the more that you look into it, is he showed no sign of remorse. He, he said, I knew you were a hard man. He tried to defend himself. He brought words out which actually condemned himself as, as he spoke. I expect if he said, look, I'm really sorry, I've blown it. Uh, I'm no longer worthy to be called your servant, then I'm sure this parable would have had a different ending because that would have been a pleading for mercy. And of course, he would have received that as we saw from the parable uh, of 
the, the prodigal. But that's the good and the bad, and then we get to the ugly. The bit that I'd rather not talk about, which is why I call him the, uh, the ugly. Uh, because the ending is even more uglier than taking somebody's shovel away. Remember it? Um, John Piper, when he was doing a sabbatical about 10 or so years ago, said he studied all the difficult sayings of Jesus. And this is one of them. He said, how can these words come out of the mouth of our Lord? Uh, and that's, you know John Piper, you can imagine him saying it. Um, verse 27, verse 19. But those enemies of mine, so he's referring not to the guy with the one, He's referring to those who sent a mission out that were enemies of the, of the state, like we were mentioned earlier on. And um, we could say these people have come under the influence of the man of lawlessness that was referred to in 2 Thessalonians that we read about. Uh, that's a whole sermon itself talking about who is that man of lawlessness, but, uh, so, which we haven't time to go into. But certainly these people that are spoken of here in verse 27 are under the influence of the enemy of our souls, the enemy of the king. Verse 27, but those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Just to soften down a little bit, I would say, let's remember it is a story. And we're, we're, it's not, this isn't God condoning brutality, which some people try to apply it in ridiculous ways, but that's certainly not what's going on. It's a shock in the story that's meant to shake us up a little bit. And, and I think truly it does. So the, the ugly bit of this, is a say, is the bit I'd rather not talk about. Bring them here, kill them in front of me. All I would say with that horrific language is it also talks about the horrific fact that there are people who are going to a Christless eternity if they don't know the Lord Jesus. And that's harsh. It's harsh because we have typically loved ones who have not made that choice. But we have opportunities, which is what this is about. And time is on our side in the sense of we have we, we have our health and our relationships that we can nurture uh, and pray into those situations, not in desperation, but prayers which God will use and hear. So that's the ugly. And I didn't want to finish with that, so I'm going to start finish where I started, which is when I asked you the value of a minor, <coughs> I talked about the value of a minor, it's actually the wrong question. The question isn't how much, the question is how. How will you glorify the Lord where you are? It's not about how much is this worth or what we're talking about money. We're talking about how are you going to be challenged by this today? How are you going to glorify the Lord? When you step outside your comfort zone, whatever that means for you, we've all got a different way of taking that. In the world of risky Christian service, as it were, would you risk praying for someone who says they have a need? Even there and then, that would be outside some people's comfort zone. But the Lord will take that and act on your boldness. Would you risk telling your testimony to someone who perhaps knows you're religious but doesn't really know how much it's transforming you? Would you risk that? That's how you can glorify God. Uh, how you can deal with adversity also is part of our testimony. How do you glorify the Lord when you chips are done and things are hard? I finish with the story of uh, someone called Francis Crosby. And, um, she wrote here over 8,000 hymns, you're going to finish with a hymn of hers. But she glorified the Lord in adversity, and most of our hymns glorify the Lord. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine now. A dying the glory. Many of the hymns that got Jesus in the center of it. But she was blinded by a medical error in her infancy. She was blinded for the rest of her life from infancy, and she took it on herself to use her memory 
by the age of 15, she could memorize the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. She could memorize most of the Psalms by the age of 15. She could memorize the Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. She had an incredible mind that she wrote, as I said, over 8,000 hymns. Out of adversity, she learned to glorify God. And she wrote these words. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. That's our cry today. Come to the Father through Jesus' Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. She glorified God in her adversity. And in her life, Christ was preeminent. That is a challenge to each one of us. The good news is that you and I are the good news people in this story, not the bad. We are ambassadors for our Lord, to be where he has planted us to be, to take those opportunities that he will give us. We have a choice. Are we going to take those opportunities? Are we going to wrap them in a cloth and just take it? No risk taken. That's an answer that only you can give here before the Lord today. And I hope you will take those opportunities for us. Let's pray.